Okay. Uh, I've sort of tried to vaguely group um, some of these questions together. <clears throat> so here's some questions, uh, issues on family. Somewhere in the Bible, there's an account of a young man who wants to follow Jesus. Jesus, he says to Jesus, I'll follow you, but let me first bury my father. Jesus replies, let the dead bury their own dead. Isn't this in contradiction of loving your own family? Well, you'll find Jesus often does that. So it's Matthew chapter 8. Um, Jesus uh, addresses this issue, Matthew chapter 8, well, and elsewhere. But Matthew chapter 8 is one place in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Jesus says, Matthew 8, verse 20, Foxes have holes, holes. Birds of the air have nests. The Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another disciple says to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Jesus, when he preaches, preaches, and he doesn't always write law. He's not writing uh, a book of laws. So when Jesus says, let the dead bury their own dead, can I just point out to you, that's nonsensical. How are you going to take that literally? I mean, you're going to get a pretty big build-up at the cemetery. Um, so Jesus is not speaking literally. Or what he's saying, he's emphasizing priority. And he's God, and he sees men's hearts, and he's saying, listen, get on with it. Get on with it. Elsewhere, he affirms um, the, 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 the importance of family. I mean, he is the Lord. He did write the Ten Commandments, honor your father and mother. He does say in uh, Mark 7, Pharisees are giving money to the church rather than their family. He said, you're ridiculous, you're wicked, um, don't do that. Uh, so he affirms the value of family. In this case, he's preaching. It's not a law, a timeless law for all times. He's making a point to a certain individual. Another one on family. It is complicated with family, but sometimes what they may be asking is not reasonable. Um, am I a non-believer, even if I really do love Jesus and want to obey him in every way I live? Uh, no, 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 of course not. If your family is asking something unreasonable, they're asking something unreasonable. I mean, that's not the point of um, uh, 1 Timothy 5. If anyone doesn't provide for his relatives, especially for his immediate family, if, if your mother is on the street, there's a problem. If your mother is demanding a 72-inch LED TV at, at £9,000, you're not obliged to provide it. There is a difference. Um, uh, so I don't know if anyone wants to help me out because it would um, need not desires for the family. 1 Timothy 5, he's immediate, it doesn't provide for his needs. I think it's going to be the issue there, not just desires or whims. Can you send me off on a cruise around the Med for a, for a, for a year? Well, uh, you're not obliged to do that. I, obviously, I, I take it that's not... I'm caricaturing the question, I know, but only to make the point, not to try and be rude. I pause to let anyone come back at me, at the question. Okay, here's a chunk on homelessness. Um, I regularly walk past homeless man with a muttered sorry. We're told not to give money. I don't know who tells you that. Uh, but, and if they're not sitting outside a supermarket, it's difficult to give food. Some of them are intimidating. Those are my excuses. I'm either Levite in Luke 10. 
should we all move to churches where there are needy areas so this is easier to do to i.e. with the homeless um, similar similar uh, do we have an obligation to care for the needy living within the immediate vicinity of Christchurch Mayfair like the homeless on Piccadilly uh, similar 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 on homelessness um, yes I mean you'll be I mean I, I hope homelessness is complicated obviously um, now I would hope you know that uh, the uh, as a church we run a, a street team uh, helping out the homeless sleeping bags clothing food it goes out on a Monday night it doesn't do so in the immediate environment immediate vicinity of the church and the reason being for that is generally Westminster Council operate a zero tolerance policy towards homelessness so push them out to areas so the street team goes out at London Bridge and at Waterloo because those are generally the areas they get pushed to so even though people will travel in actually there aren't many normally in the vicinity of the church so should we do more well actually there's 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 a church or you know there's a church group that goes out every Monday night you could join them homelessness of course is complicated as an issue um uh, there's an obvious sorry there's a clear correlation for many with uh, issues of mental health those often come as a consequence of being on the street um there's a whole variety. Some are passing through and some spend a short period of time on the street. Some have been there years and are quite confused and can be aggressive and intimidating. There's, there's variety. Um, there are a number of uh, homeless shelters in the area. If you're ever uncertain, uh, this should be more, made more public, so kept on the bookstool, or certainly the person on the bookstool should be able to access, uh, there's a list of all the homeless shelters with phone numbers and directions how to give to them and photocopies. Just so if someone's in real need that evening, you, you can show them where to go. Um, so practically, you, you can help out there and, there and then. Uh, can you walk past someone who's homeless? Look, I, I think it is different. You're walking past someone who's bleeding and about to die, um, and you don't do anything. You, you could immediately help them. You just dial 999, and that'll help. Uh, you can't fix homelessness in the same way as you can fix someone who's bleeding and needs an ambulance. So there's a practical difference. And it's a wisdom call, I think, how much you choose to engage uh, on that. I find, for myself, I find that a confusing issue. I know what they say. I know, you know, I, so I personally would support financially St. Mungo's, and um, I think they're a very good charity. And yes, among us, I say, look, it's rare that giving money there and then is the helpful thing to do. Problem is, I just, you know, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. I, is that me naive? Maybe. Maybe it is. Um, but, I, I, you know, so I know in my head what's the right thing to do, and I think I, I try and do that. And there's a street team that goes out. Some are involved in the, the, the overnight shelter. It takes place at St. John's. And related, should we all move to areas where there are more people uh, with needs, not just homelessness? Well, uh, you, you could do. We could do. Of course, for us as a church, what we're able to do, I mean, you may not feel it. No one ever feels it. But relatively speaking, we're affluent as a church. But that does mean we're able to give £40,000 a year to supporting UPA churches at St. John's and Battersea. 
And therefore, they are able to have a presence. They can live in those communities and uh, get to know people in those communities. So you could, you yourself, move and, and you, know, you could move on to the World's End Estate in Chelsea or, or um, the estates in Battersea. You could do that. would be a good thing to do, sure. But actually, while you're here and part of this congregation, we're able to support them in a way that they wouldn't exist if we didn't exist. Does that make sense? They wouldn't be able to fund any of their activities if we didn't exist, and we're able to give them significant sums every year to help with their immediate. So that's the benefits of something like being in a network of churches, like co-mission, and then we support the Dagenham churches, which have similar issues on their doorstep, and so we fund their youth workers that do work with kids on the streets. Now, you don't get your hands mucky doing that, and you may want to get your hands mucky on the streets. Great, good for you, go for it. But by being in partnership with people who are doing that, we're able to do possibly more. I don't want to come back on, on that whole area. Yeah, okay. So Hannah's asking, what do, you, what do you do with the immediacy? So this is all very well, there are structures in place, but you walk past someone and they say, I need money now. What do you do? I think you're free. You're free. Now, you, you, you might give money there and then and be profoundly helpful. You, 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 it, it, the problem is, I mean, you might not be. You might not be. Uh, emotionally, it's very hard to resist. But I think you need to be clear in your mind, you're free. And that there are resources and things in place to help people like that. For myself, and this is just me, okay, I'm not sure this is biblical, so take it or leave it. If I never stop and chat and give something, I think it does something to my heart. I think I just become hardened and stop seeing people. Personally, but your hearts may be very different and you may... I'm not saying that condescendingly, I genuinely mean that. We're all wired differently, so I don't know. One time out of ten, I'll probably, or maybe I would, I'm as arbitrary, isn't it? I'll probably, actually, you know what, I'm not in a rush. I like to think I'm very important and always in a rush, but not always. Most of the time I am running late, but not always. Uh, and actually, I have got time now, I can stop. And yeah, okay, let's chat. And look, What is your story? Um, yeah. Andrew, did you want to say? It makes them less self-reliant, but uh, somebody said it's just between you and God. Yeah, so. yes. Yeah, so Andrew made the same point. Are oh, you free? You're free. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. Um, here's a couple on... Whose responsibility is the child with malaria, if not mine? The countries that are proximate don't have the money to help. Uh, but, but how does moral proximity relate to meeting the physical and gospel needs of people in the developing world? I think, again, I'd want to say, you're free. You're free. So you could say to yourself, okay, all the children with malaria are my responsibility. But why not AIDS? Why aren't you doing everything about AIDS? Well, what about leprosy? Leprosy is still a big issue in parts of the developing world. Why don't you sort that out as well? Why, why are you just limiting it? Seems a bit superficial. Lightweight. Aren't you going to solve every problem in the world? Why not? Because it's impossible. It's impossible to solve every problem. Uh, so you're free. Do, should we lobby government to, to give a British GDP, British income, to developing what? I think that's an entirely appropriate thing to do. 
I think it's quite noble of the British government to, to maintain its overseas aid uh, at a time of austerity. I think that's morally good. And I, I'm proud of the government for doing such a thing. Um, but what I want to, biblically, let's draw a distinction between obligation and generosity. You're not, I don't think, biblically obliged to feel guilty about every child with malaria in the world. You can be generous. Oh, and do it. If you can be, be generous. But often with these things, you, you can only pick an issue. So we said in the, in the first week, there are so many issues of injustice, in, even in the UK. You, you and I can't deal with all of them. It seems to me, biblically, it just, it's a wise thing to say, look, that's my issue. Really, that's my issue. You know, for me, I, just for various reasons of history, I care a lot about abortion. That's my issue. I'll campaign, I'll write to the government, I'll write to MPs about that. I'll write the letters. And other issues that come up, I, no, I don't write, I, you know, every Christian organization is what they want. You know, as a vicar, I get hundreds of these things. I'll be spending all my time writing letters saying, please change this thing and that and the other. I just can't do it. I've just got my thing. But that's a bit arbitrary, isn't it? I'm sorry. But I'm not guilty about that. I don't oblige to campaign on every single issue there is that would be good for me to... But if you're generous and you're able to and you've got time... Hey, my mum's retired. She writes a lot of letters. Good for her. Good for her. Because she, she's can. She's, as her opportunity, Galatians 6.10, as you have opportunity, she has more opportunity. Got more time. She was quite good at writing letters. I'm not very good at writing them. Um, Joe. But isn't there a sense in which, as members of a fallen human race and beneficiaries in this country and across the world of an unjust societal structure, that we are corporately responsible for sin that we as, a, as humanity share? And what are our obligations there in terms of both praying and confessing sins that we are indirectly responsible for um, and... And also a sort of attached question to that, although um, none of us individually can do, a, do much, and while it is great to uh, ask government to help, and I'd be among the first to say, let, let's encourage government to do so, isn't there a danger that we forget that as a body with great resources, the church, a new society um, meant to uh, model the new creation to the rest of the world can be doing a lot more? both here and in developing countries? We could do more. There is an enormous amount of corporate structural sin that is good to campaign on. Yeah. But how, how much is enough, Joe? How much is enough? I mean, it, if you're telling me I have to sort out every corporate structural sin in the world, I'm just going to collapse to my knees. And the problem is, we're not biblically obliged to do that. Choose an issue. I think God is concerned for the marginalized. He wants those to, to speak up for those who have no voice. But you've got to be realistic on that. Uh, and the priorities are the family of God. To take, you know, for family, family of God. And, it's, and as we're able, as we have opportunity. Now some of us will be in a position, just in our jobs... In, in the time we have, a retired, um, my retired mum, to, to do a lot more. Uh, but, uh, so, it's a line to walk, isn't it? We could do more, but I don't want to load guilt upon everyone, because I don't think the Bible would want us to load guilt. 
because there's an endless range of needs that we could address. And the issue, I think, if you, if you, if you say that we, there's loads to do, it's, I don't know, this may just be my thing as well, so again, let me not just push it. But the problem is, honestly, that, you, know, there's, you know, there's a thousand structural sins the church needs to address. I just think, I give up. I I'm not interested. I haven't got time for that. Um, I, can do one, I can try one thing. I can try one thing. Um, in, in the, and I'd encourage you all, have a thing. You know, have an issue you campaign upon. Make it your burning issue. And do something about it. But everything? Yowzers. Now, there'll be some Wilberforces and people like him who are absolutely, and maybe you're one, okay? Absolutely passionate on issue X. Great. Bang the drum for it. Bang the drum for it. Galvanize us. Um, don't make us feel guilty. Don't overload us with guilt. But persuade you. Yeah, no, this is, you know, I'll add my signature to this. Yeah, you're right. No, actually, this matters. Um, now there, God will raise up some who, who have a real passion for a certain issue. Great. Great. But if everyone doesn't share the same passion on issue X, don't, don't berate. I'm not saying you. Uh, one. Uh, one. You know, so there are some you know, who care passionately about uh, drug trafficking of young girls into the UK. As we should. We should all care about that. But you know, there's a lot of things to care about. But I, back, I think it's great. Go for it. Go for it. Do all you can. Give, give time and energy to that. I encourage you to do that. I'm afraid I'm, I'm not. Um, but I think you're great for doing so. Is that, look, I just think that's realistic. It's realistic. So, uh, realism becomes, um, and I, I say this openly as a hypocrite, becomes an excuse for being moderate and not sacrificial. We can't do everything, but uh, the things we do do, we should do wholeheartedly. Yeah, we can't do everything. And of course, uh, that's why I, you know, that's why, this is pragmatic, okay? This is, I don't think this is biblical. It's just my pragmatic observation. Have, a, have an issue. I think that's realistic. You can have an issue that you campaign on and really care about. Um, maybe marriage, and, and you write, every time there's anything in the press, you just write on that and write on that. And every time there's anything in government, you write on that. It may be women being drug trafficked, and you, you research it, you, you stop the traffic, you get all their publications, you pray hard about that. Great. Have, I think it's practically a good thing for a Christian to have an issue that they care about. I think it's good for your heart, spiritually. But... Don't ignore the woman who lives next door to you and who, who needs trouble. Don't ignore your brothers and sisters who are in trouble. And don't forget the priority is eternity. Keep... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why it's helpful to assert some things as principles, working them out. And we, you know, we need one another, don't we? Um, we, need in, we need in our church the bull-headed evangelist who just says evangelism is everything. And we need the person who says, calm down, can't you see the person on the street who just really needs your help? And we need them to be kind and gracious in their conversation. Because they need one another and we all need them. We, the variety is good. If we're monochrome, we're in trouble. Um, uh, okay, I think... Um, how do we oh gosh how do we minister to those with alcohol or drug addictions uh, that's a big issue and um, these booklets on the bookstall are good uh, 
the, um, the, the CCEF book groups. There is one on drug addiction. There is one on alcohol addiction. We've sold out of both. Oops. Um, but we'll get some for next week. That's the royal we. Uh, <laughs> um, would, um, so to restock those slightly. Those are big issues. Uh, um, I don't want to duck that. Uh, I, I email in. I could, you know, so I want to give you more uh, materials to chase up on that. Not straightforward. Uh, you draw a distinction between the temporary and the eternal and say that the eternal should be our priority. Uh, do you think our helping of people physically here and now has any eternal significance? Will God say, well done, good and faithful servant, only for our evangelistic efforts? No. Uh, God will say, well done, good and faithful servant, for faithfully following him. But of course, Matthew 25, you get the, uh, the parable of the sheep and the goats. And in Matthew 25, Jesus is very clear that uh, showing practical concern for your Christian brothers and sisters makes an enormous difference and is an indication of your love for the Lord. Um, so no, it's not just our evangelistic efforts that the Lord will, will reward us for. However, of course, you, to point one, no, God will reward our service for him of all kinds. That's God's, you know, God's reward. Second point, the person you feed today will be hungry tomorrow. The person who you share the gospel with and becomes a Christian will be with you for eternity in glory. So there's a distinction between God's reward and the benefits to an individual. Uh, it's a, here's a tranche on a similar subject. I don't really know any of my neighbours next door. Do you think we have a responsibility to get to know our neighbours so that we can help them? Um, when you feel that your resources are stretched and you have a desire to serve your neighbours and those at work, how do you prioritise? What do you do when the neighbours you know reject you uh, and reject your friendship? Look, we don't all live on Ramsey Street um, with, uh, you know, in and out of one another's houses. You've got to be realistic on that. Who is my neighbor? Luke 10. He's, he's not the person who lives in a gated community who might have some problems behind his front door. And most people do of some kind. He's the person who you encounter and obviously needs an ambulance. Although they had them in the first century. Such, but you know what I mean? Uh, modernizing it. So... If you don't know, if you know none of your neighbours, uh, that change, uh, the issue of moral proximity, it's not just geographical, it is relational as well. So I would suggest your neighbours are probably those you do know at work. You have more of a responsibility than them. You, could, you, know, you live in a block, there are six flats in your block, six front doors. Uh, you, know the, um, you know the woman who coughs next door to you, just because she coughs. She might be called Mildred, but you're not entirely sure. But that's it. Well... Yeah, you know, you could do the you could do the nice thing, and at Christmas time, invite them all round for a drink. You get to know them, and you might get to know them. They might be nice, and you might share your life with them, and going forward, uh, become the best of buddies. Or they may all say no. Um, but your obligation—do you see the, how Luke ten works? It's not that the Samaritan travels every possible road in in, in the whole of Israel just on the off chance of meeting someone who might be in need. The Samaritan is not praised by Jesus because 
He knocks on the houses next door. You're right. Fine, good. You're right. Well, I could do with a fiver. Here you go, have a fiver. He doesn't do that. He walks past someone who's in need and helps him. So it is good to know your neighbours. That's a nice thing. It's just a nice thing. But London is not wherever Ramsey Street is. Where is it? Melbourne? I don't even know. It's made up. It's, it's not real. Okay, it's not real. Um, but where it's meant to be. So you've got to be... So actually, it's the people you meet. Moral proximity is not just geographical. It's relational. Does the Bible not say somewhere that all humanity is our neighbor? I don't think so. I think Luke 10 is the sort of best definition of a neighbor. Um, I don't think so. And if the whole of humanity is our neighbor, love your neighbor as yourself becomes a pretty overwhelming instruction. Um, that's a lot of Weetabix I need to give out each morning. It's practically impossible, isn't it? I think we're done. Uh, with these questions, I'd be sad if we were done with talking about it as a topic. Um, and you know, living these things out. I mean, someone asked me orally, okay, so what, what, do I, you know, what do I do then with my cousin who is uh, a drug addict? What, what do I, you know, when do I give him money? Look, you can never answer those questions in the abstract. There are principles, but it depends. How old is he? How long has he been addicted? Who's his, where do you live? Are you next door to him? What other relatives are there? You know, there's a whole... You can't answer those questions in the abstract. We need one another to work these things out. You, can't, you don't answer them out. Uh, answer them out. It's time to go to bed, isn't it? You don't work them all out didactically. Um, yeah, we need one another to help work through them when the rubber hits the road. Let me lead us in prayer. Our Father, we want to be those who are conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. We want to be like him. And we know, therefore, that um, he cared for the poor. He cared for the oppressed. And uh, when he was here on this earth, he, he worked hard for them. We don't want to forget that he, the Lord Jesus, when he walked on earth, his priority was eternal. He came to give his life to save people for eternity. And we pray that we'll be clear on that. And only when he returns in glory will this world be poor. Will always, sorry, will this world be healed perfectly. So Father, help us. We're struggling really to work out these priorities. We, we, we want to keep the main thing, the main thing. We don't want to let the temporary take over from the eternal. But nor do we want that to be an excuse that our hearts are hard and we ignore those in front of us who you would have us help. So Father, we don't want to be guilty, but we do want to be generous. We don't want to feel under great obligation, but we do want to be those who are responding to your grace in our lives and therefore delighted to serve others. So do that work within us and help us as we seek to work these things out to honor the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much for your questions. Uh, as ever, apologies. I'm always, you always slightly miss them. Do come back, email in. Uh, and let's keep talking about these things.